You know, it struck me when I was, uh, well, I recently acquired, um, and I didn't even know this came out until, uh, I was recently going for this. Well, what I was going for, of course, a lot of people know (laughs) that, in fact, I talked about this in last week's Q and a, when we were having a discussion about the foundation, um, which actually, you know, sometimes you got to wonder about that synchronicity, right? (laughs) Or that synchronicity thing, right? Um, because I, I found out that maybe a day or two after I recorded that, um, after I recorded that Q and a, uh, or released it, even there were stories that Elon Musk thinks that the foundation series is the most important science fiction series you can read, which is weird. I'm pretty sure he said that about the culture series. In fact, I even had a sovereign tech listener in the telegram group comment on, it's like, I don't know he said, I don't know about foundation, but, uh, you know, definitely all about uh, getting to the culture, uh, like the culture series and, uh, right on, of course, by Ian M. Banks, uh, easily the most popular anarchist, uh, books. I mean, it's science fiction and it's a long series, good 10 books. Um, but easily the most popular anarchist fiction probably in the world. I mean, unless you want to count like the dispossessed or something like that, but certainly as far as like a full on series and certainly within science fiction, I I think it takes the cake. But anyway, as I mentioned last week, uh, I regularly get books that aren't available as eBooks and I acquire them through whatever means. Uh, some people have actually gotten me books through the uh, Sovereign Tech wishlist, which is at wishlist.sovereigntech.com. Um, and I get them scanned. I get them professionally scanned, OCR, the whole thing. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's really, it's really great work. And I wanted the Matrix comics, as in, you know, the movie, The Matrix, which we're going to get Matrix 4. Uh, was it 2021? In fact, there's going to be two Keanu Reeves movies coming out the same day, I guess. Uh, like there's going to be, I think it's a new John Wick movie and then the Matrix 4. Actually, it'd be, I guess it'd be John Wick 4 and Matrix 4, if I'm not mistaken. Whatever. Hopefully, as we have been talking about often on Sovereign Tech and on Zomi One Underground content, uh, hopefully they don't fuck up. Um, the matrix four. <laughs> okay. Cause I don't mind two and three. Like I thought that they were, they were fine movies. If not certainly uh, reloaded, I would actually argue is a great film. Um, but again, I, yeah, I just, I hope they don't fuck this up, but uh, the matrix comics were a popular thing. Actually back when, before the matrix even came out, you had the website for the matrix, which I went to like multiple times a day and understand the internet was not the juggernaut that it would become, you know, by 2003, this was a very special thing and very innovative thing, um, that the Wachowskis were doing with the matrix website overall, but then also, you know, just like with presenting comic books and also short stories, like there are Neil Gaiman short stories on there. Um, but presenting those online that at the time you got to understand that was absolutely unheard of. And some of these stories are, are really, really wild. Uh, but I always loved them and it was great when finally, and I want to say this is around Oh three, somewhere along those lines where they finally decided, uh, you know, the, the Wachowskis or whoever's in charge of that. Of course the Wachowskis after the matrix was so successful would come out with their own comic book imprint called Burly man, 
which I guess technically still exists. Anyway, they would uh, decide to put out a volume one of stories that were originally on the matrix.com um, or was it the matrix online.com, whatever the website originally was. I, I don't recall. Uh, or the matrix online was the game. Anyway, <laughs> I've talked about that way too many times. Uh, in fact, I really would have been impressed if the, uh, the PDFs that were released when that told the story uh, of the matrix online, when the matrix online was over, I would have been really impressed if that was included uh, in what I'm about to talk about or what I'm about to mention, but it's not. And they, I'm going to guess like Sony holds the rights for that somehow, but whatever. Anyway, um, so they released a physical, uh, edition that you could get and, you know, it was like a volume one and then it was followed up by a volume two, but then both of those comic book, uh, collections, both of those graphic novels did not have everything that was originally published, um, on the matrix website back in the, you know, in the late nineties. And so, but I wanted, you know, at least what was available, I wanted those and, uh, I was, you know, willing to try and acquire and they're not expensive, uh, you know, volume one and volume two of the matrix comics. Well, when I'm looking into this, suddenly I find out that actually, uh, in November of last year of 2019, right around the time that the matrix four was announced, uh, there was a massive 20th anniversary, uh, re-release of the matrix comics. Now it was, yes, it compiled what was in volume one and volume two. So all of that's there, but then they also put in a bunch of other stories that were originally like the Neil Gaiman story and so on that were originally only on the matrix website. And it's a beautiful collection. I have it here. I'm looking at it right in front of me on my shelf. Uh, I mean, just stunning, well worth, uh, the price well worth, you know, the asking price, uh, and I think it, it, it runs, I don't know, around 30, 40 bucks, something like that, depending upon where you get it. And in the intro, there was something that I had, I had just totally forgotten about. You got to understand that, and, 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 and it hit me because, well, it reminded me of, you know, recent tragic events. Um, you you got to understand that and I've been this way for a while. I mean, I'm an open-minded guy, but like when it comes to some of my entertainment, um, you know, I'm very, I'm in many ways stuck in my ways. And I know that doesn't surprise anybody at all. Uh, it's rare that I'll give something a chance. You know, I, I need, I mean, because, you know, pick your franchise, matrix, star Trek, star Wars, whatever. I mean, there's so much to explore just within those franchises. You really never have to leave them if you don't want you know, even Babylon five, there's still so much to explore out there with Babylon five that most people never even bother. Uh, unfortunately, like how many people have read the techno mage trilogy and it's fucking great or the fall of Centauri prime. Uh, it's a pity or especially the sidecore novels. Holy fuck. But regardless. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was reading in that and in the intro, they're talking about how there were some stories that they had planned to put on the matrix website that they never got the final drafts for. One of those being was a story by Harlan Ellison. And as soon as I read that, I mean, like just a, a flood of memories came back to me, partly memories of Harlan, um, which, you know, and that's the tragedy because of course we, we lost Harlan almost a couple of years ago now. Uh, my dear friend and, and, and hero. Um, 
But I, I remember reading that on the Matrix website. They were saying who is going to be putting out new stories or who is going, what new stories were going to be coming. And they mentioned on the website, Harlan Ellison, that that story was coming. And they probably, I'm going to guess now, and me, I usually don't forget these kinds of things, but I had definitely forgotten that. But I'll tell you this, uh, Harlan Ellison's name attached to the Matrix is really what got me, gave me the absolute confidence to go see the Matrix when it came out. Uh, The trailer was not enough, as good as those trailers and accurate as those trailers were. Um, But Harlan Ellison being excited about the Matrix, and that's basically what he was. Uh, I guess he got to read the script ahead of time, kind of like Neil Gaiman did. Um, I mean, that that's what sold me. I'm like, okay, I'll go see The Matrix. And then, of course, you know, it ends up being one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, I imagine that they put the story about Harlan Ellison and mentioned how they never got the final draft from Harlan uh, at the beginning of this, because I could imagine a lot of people wanting to buy this, you know, 20th anniversary collection saying, holy shit, I hope they put in something from like names that never, they never actually published the stories for. Uh, but this, and this would definitely be the biggest one. Um, and, and they have kind words about Harlan and it, of course, cause this was compiled after he had died. Uh, man, I mean, but the amount of memories that I went through with this, with this book and, and, and it's kind of, it's very much the power a of the physical medium. And I recognize that as much as I love eBooks and this will become an eBook. Okay. And if anybody wants it, whatever, I'll send it to you. Um, but also, you know, uh, really of, of, of comic books themselves, because they add in so like, there's, there's so many, I mean, the power of a physical book is that it activates all the senses, right? Comic books do that a bit more on, I mean, not just a bit more, they do it on steroids, right? Where they activate all the senses because there's so much more, uh, visual visceralness to the comic book and, and Harlan loved comic books. Uh, in fact, he's, he, he was a staunch, uh, a supporter of them. I mean, basically being taught like in schools, you know, because he thought that it was such an important American medium, but regardless of that, yeah, comic books are so powerful. Man, I was just, it, it hit me for a few hours on the day that, that, that book arrived because I wasn't expecting to think about Harlan and it sent so many memories. And I never, the sad part is, now I wish, like, I wish I asked Harlan about it. I mean, I'm kind maybe I'm glad I didn't because there were times where I'd ask him about things. Like there was one time where I asked him about the third edition or the third volume of dangerous vision stories. Okay. Now Harlan, like one of his biggest claims to fame is that he was the editor of the, uh, speculative fiction, uh, anthology called dangerous visions. We've got great uh, questions to get into, by the way, folks, I didn't expect to talk about this for that long. I really will make this fast, but we have awesome questions uh, that actually came in from the telegram group. Anyway, uh, he did dangerous visions, which was a wildly popular uh, compilation. Uh, He edited it anyway. And then there, there was uh, uh, dangerous visions again, which was a a second volume uh, and maybe not as popular as well-known, but I would say just as solid. Uh, I think that came out like in the eighties maybe. And after that, I mean, they were going to do a third one and lots of uh, authors sent Harlan stories. And in fact, I know some of them got pissed off because they, they were saving their stories 
And there might've been some copyright issue around it all too, where they were meant to go into the third volume of dangerous visions. But then that third volume never was never released. And one time I asked Harlan about that and boy, you want to talk about pissed off. I thought I almost like lost my friend and hero. Um, I mean, Harlan was notorious in, in a beautiful way for getting angry, <laughs> you know, and, and, and he would yell at you and you'd be very much, uh, thank you, sir. May I have another, I mean, you, you actually loved it when he would yell at you, but this is one of those times where when he was pissed, like it was not funny and it was not, um, like, like it, it was not one of those points where, oh, wow, I'm so glad that he paid attention to me. No, this, this was anger on another level that, oh man, like that it's, it sucked. Uh, it's the only real like negative memory I have of Harlan, um, of, of any kind. So anyway, uh, that's why I say <laughs> it might be just as well that I never asked him about his, what he was, what story he was going to write for the matrix. I would have loved to have read it. I bet it was fucking awesome. I, apparently there were rough drafts, but again, and, and maybe I just never asked him because of how he responded to my question about the third volume of dangerous visions. But anyway, I mean, you know, he and I before, I mean, frankly, 10 minutes later, like everything was fine. We were having dinner and it was no big deal, you know, but I, boy, do I remember that. And that, that was, that was not fun. And Susan had, you know, kind of stepped in and it was uh, his wife and, um, Damn. Anyway, <laughs> but this collection, the matrix comics collection, the 25th or 20th anniversary edition, beautiful, beautiful, uh, uh collection and, and, and wild shit like these stories. And I've talked about them before these stories, like the one that Neil Gaiman wrote and everything, I mean, are just really, really insane. Or there's the comic book about the, 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 the um, in fact, I think this is interesting and, and might play into what we end up getting into in some of our questions, uh, where there's the guy's wife who is like, so empathetic. Like she just has so much empathy that it, it almost kind of like allows her to, to see through the matrix in a way. Uh, it, it's, it's really interesting. Um, which I think is a, I think there's a powerful point in that. Um, but anyway, yeah, check that out. If you haven't, um, I also was, was looking at the Robotech uh, visual archive for the, the Macross saga, man, I was, I was crying, almost crying with that one too. <laughs> You got to love Robotech. Uh, anyway, okay. Why don't we get into our questions? You're not here to hear me talk about all of that all the time, but uh, we got a great tech question to open up with. We'll see how many we can get to. Uh, basically what I did was is a couple hours before I was sitting down to, to record here uh, in the telegram, in the sovereign tech polytechnic uh, telegram group, I said, Hey, anybody got any hot questions? I'm going to record in a couple hours. And you guys, gals and Z's sent some dynamite fucking questions. And I don't think I'm going to be able to get to all of them, uh, but I definitely want to get to the ones that I can. And if not, well, then we got questions for next week, which is awesome. Um, so, all right. Anyway. And it, of course, if you want to join that telegram group, it's, it's so active. I mean, some of these questions actually got answered by other members of the telegram group and they were answers that were, I mean, perfect. Uh, in fact, some people brought up points that, uh, or some, or listeners brought up points that, you know, I, I wasn't even aware of, like they gave me a bit of a schooling and I, and man, do I love that, <laughs> you know, a place where we can all come together, coexist and learn. That's what it's all about. 
so yeah, please do join the telegram group. If you haven't, uh, it is a great, great time going on in there. Um, in fact, some great memories too, about <laughs> downloading some, some porn gifs from, uh, from BBSs in the nineties, baby. <laughs> that was, uh, those are good times. Anyway. So, uh, let's get to the tech question first and we'll see what else we can get to here. Um, here, I'll read it. Uh, some background to my question. I live in an area with very poor internet. Boy, preach that, baby. <laughs> Same here. But uh, regardless, um, the speed I get is up to one uh, Mbps, you know, megabits per second uh, down. Um, I'm keeping my eye on Starlink. Uh, oof, yeah. Um, so my question is about using computers slash technology with poor internet. Okay. So I want to stop here for a second, have a little bit of a conversation. Um, I, in, in the most recent episode was that episode 363 of sovereign tech. Uh, I talked about a book called EMF by Dr. Um, does it Joseph Mercola, Dr. Mercola anyway. And, uh, another great listener actually said, just like, you know, this guy's pretty much quackpot, uh, <laughs> you know, you or a quack, uh, a crackpot and a quack. I'd call that a quack pot. There we go. There's a new sovereign tech term for you. Um, because Dr. Mercola brought up concerns around Starlink and he does talk about an EMF. Now, both Ellen Sovereign and I are reading, uh, we're both reading EMF right now. And I mean, there's points where we're like, eh, you know, I mean, and then there's points where we're like, yeah, wow. Uh, you know, so I'm not recommending Dr. Mercola's work across the board. In fact, I, you know, in, in the sovereign tech episode, I even said, it's like, well, I don't expect him to really know his tech shit that well, because I had concerns around, around some of what he had to say. Uh, but regardless, you know, he, he raised concerns about Starlink and there's concerns around, you know, blanket 5g because of Elon Musk's Starlink, which is, you know, little satellites and everything beaming internet down. Um, I am going to reserve judgment on a lot of this stuff until after I'm done with this book. Uh, of course, Ben Greenfield, who is where I first heard about the book and Dr. Mercola, uh, Ben Greenfield thought the book was amazing. I mean, he just thought it was an absolutely brilliant book. Uh, I know I have listeners who are also big fans of Ben Greenfield. So take that for what you will. Um, I have disagreed with Ben Greenfield and his other guests in the past and have done uh, what I guess you could call debunkings of some of what they say. Uh, but regardless, yeah, we'll take that for what we will. Uh, and, and, and we'll, anyway, well, we'll see, we'll see how all of this goes. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I want to have a conversation around it, but now's not the time I need to collect a, I need insufficient data for response, right? <laughs> and here we go. Uh, let's keep reading. So, so my question is about using computers slash technology with poor internet. Right now, my main computer is running Windows 10. I think Windows is using a lot of my internet bandwidth in the background. Uh, if I have my Windows computer running, it kills the internet for the rest of my devices, examples, phone and TV. Uh, question, how can someone with poor internet get by in the modern IT world? Uh, are they, are they, are there OSs that are lighter on background internet usage, lean internet browsers or any other thoughts? Uh, so, okay, let, let's, let's talk about, this is a great question. I mean, this is a genuinely great question. I mean, and, and even for me, uh, to constantly check in on, because, you know, if I had my way, I mean, I'd be living out, you know, in West bumfuck where no one could find you and it'd be a near miracle for there to be any kind of internet connection. So doing things that are, uh, more lightweight as far as, uh, you know, data connection goes 
and maybe even handling th- a lot more things offline is certainly something that I think about. And and I got to tell you, this is something that like I really do think about all the time, all the time, um, and and I'm constantly looking at ways of doing that. In fact, I mean, I go so far as to, I mean, there's an argument to be made of what isn't a computer today, but I go so far as, okay, how many things can I do really without a computer now? So anyway, so this is a great question to get into and and you can see who asked it and all about it. If you're in the telegram group. And of course you can share your own thoughts in the telegram group, which I would love. I mean, lots of people are already putting out their recommendations in there and it was dynamite stuff from all the listeners and, uh, or members of the group. And, and I, I think that that's, that's fantastic. Um, and, and, you know, something about the telegram group quick. I mean, again, I am making sure it is only talked about on the show. You have to be a listener of the show to have heard about the telegram group. I am not sharing it openly on social media or for anyone else to come in and join. It is where, you know, like-minded individuals or open-minded individuals, which are the two that I think sovereign tech attracts come together and, and can chat it up, you know, and, and, and it's, it's clearly working. I mean, you should, you should have seen the conversations around AI around VPNs. I mean, like all these different things that are going on in there. It's, it is a, it is already, in my opinion, a beautiful well-stored knowledge. So anyway, uh, yeah, again, please do join that. Uh, if, if you want to join in on this, but I, I, I'll give my answer on a lot of this and some of it will echo what other, uh, members of the group had already said, uh, certainly. So, um, I guess the first point I want to get into has to do with windows itself. Cause that seems to be the primary problem. And you know what, frankly, in the modern tech world, it is the primary problem. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to get into it in an upcoming sovereign tech. Uh, I mean, every month. So the second Tuesday of every month, we get a major update to windows. So we're not a major, but we get a, you know, the cumulative update, I should say. Um, and Every month now, there is some kind of major flaw affecting usually millions of devices. Okay. You know, Windows 10 devices. And it's getting to the point, and now we have, we have, it's not, you know, there was the point where it wasn't 1910, might have been 1903. There was, there was the major Windows 10 update that people were reporting, hey, my fucking documents disappeared, you know, on my computer. What's going on? And they seem to be like, you know, it was, it was a small amount of cases. It was debatable whether or not it really happened or if there wasn't something, eventually you found out, yes, it was happening, but there was this very simple fix. It had to do with like something being labeled C drive or D drive. If I remember correctly, uh, we talked about it on sovereign tech when it happened, but now it's happening again. And this is just from a cumulative update, not one of the major OS updates. And yeah, people are losing their data and Microsoft has admitted that it's happening. Like they, they are, there's no debate going on around it. It is just, it is happening. You have people who are getting on, trying to get on the phone with Microsoft customer service for four hours at a shot, trying to find out what the fuck happened to my data, et cetera. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. In fact, there was a recent conversation around this uh, on my favorite podcast, which is security now with Steve Gibson and, and Leo Laporte. And they both came to the conclusion that I've been saying, well, for a long time, but certainly throughout 2019, and we've been reiterating it in 2020, 
And uh, Leo Laporte basically came right out and said, after, you know, the evidence was presented that data loss occurred because of an operating system update and the way Microsoft is handling all this. Uh, Leo Laporte said, he says that that's completely inexcusable. Get off of windows. Like, you know, you're done as soon as there's data loss like that at the OS level. Uh, sorry, I can't be your customer anymore. And he's totally right. And the point that he made, and I will second it, and I've basically been saying it already anyway, but I'll second it here is that there is no place for windows in the home. Like it's, it's just, it's not something for the home. And, and I completely agree with him. And, and I think that this is a point that, and, and there's a part of this that I'm sure people would, would bristle at. And, and I understand um, why you would, though I think I've made a strong case for why you would want to use these things. Um, but the, I, now he's not saying that he, his conclusion isn't that, well, everybody should just stop using windows, even though we could certainly go that far. And I wouldn't mind either. And I think it's, it's already happening anyway. Like even at the government level, a lot of governments with their windows seven licenses coming up and, and support coming up or ending, I should say, uh, they are switching over to Linux now, even though it's going to be a slow rollout. That's what they're doing and good. Uh, but I mean, fuck government, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean if they're going to handle your data, you might, they might as well be using the right OS to do it. Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, He's basically saying, yeah, like, okay, fine. Windows is in the enterprise space. It's used by professionals for whatever reasons, et cetera. And it can stay there. It does not need to be, uh, you know, the, the home operating system right now, when it comes to gaming, of course, I, I think that needs to be taken under consideration, but here's the thing is that I would argue that the only real way and, and look, you know, the data loss happened to people who even clearly know what they're doing. You know, they're, they're not, they're not noobs. They're not, uh, not tech savvy, right? They're very tech savvy. They're probably very knowledgeable about windows. Um, basically I would argue that windows should be, and this is, this is going to be my statement on it window and, and the listener, I, I mean, you're listening to me. So I, you know, I know you're tech savvy. So, but I'm saying this kind of for everybody and just to make a, like a blanket statement about the matter. And I'll probably reiterate it on uh, a sovereign tech proper here soon. But anyway, but windows really should just be for, yep, fine. It's in the enterprise space. It's there for professionals, creative professionals, whatever that have that software that they've been using for 20 years to, I don't know, write their books or do whatever. Okay. Uh, and for gamers, you know, gamers are PC gamers are in and of the people that are hardcore PC gamers. And that's why they're on windows because that game only exists on windows or whatever. You're basically professionals as well. So windows should be considered a professional operating system. I mean, there's an irony in that we've had windows, whatever version professional, you know, with the name, with the nomenclature professional, uh, for decades now. Uh, and really that that's the way it needs to stay <laughs> like that every ver And that's really what it is. With windows 10. I mean, they, they more or less dropped the professional nomenclature, I think, or tagline. Uh, but that's, we should almost call it windows 10 professional because it should just be for professionals going forward. People that are regularly making backups of their data, people who know very, very well what they're doing and so on. It is not an opera. It's so funny because it used to be seen as, you know, the, the operating system for everybody that just has not become true anymore. And I mean, and, and in some ways in a positive direction as well, right? Like, 
what you can do, you know, putting on bash and what you can do with PowerShell and so on with, with windows 10 specifically has really geared itself towards power users more so than your everyday user. Like a lot of the features added into that have been major touted features put into windows 10, you know, your average candy crush person wouldn't have a clue on, on what to do with that. So I would recommend, I mean, there's ways that you can mitigate, uh, cause here's, here's the facts. Windows 10 does absolutely, uh, do a lot of background operations and a lot of background transmitting, uh, and receiving of data. Um, like, I mean, there's, there's features and, and I don't imagine this is happening with, with this listener, but it might be where, you know, windows 10 by design, say with the update process, which is probably where a lot of the data usage and data killing is going on. Um, you have with the, with the update process where if you download the update and there's other computers nearby that can also, or that also need that update, they will just pull the update from your computer and not from windows servers. Now you can turn that feature off, but I think that's on by default unless they've changed the nature of that, but that's the thing. And then, you know, again, these updates are automatic, which, you know, there's an argument to be made for why that's a good thing. But if you're in a low bandwidth situation, that's a problem. Um, you can, there are settings for metering data, uh, on windows 10, that's usually meant more for when you're connected to, you know, LTE, you know, a cellular connection that has limited data or something like that. I don't exactly know if there's a way to alter that to work on Wi-Fi, Cause again, I think that's meant more for mobile networks, but there might be a possibility there, but really the best thing you can do in my opinion, um, you know, unless you use Photoshop or, uh, or, you know, or, or if, if there's like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm going to guess you're not playing like Warframe or Call of Duty if you have, uh, you know, limited bandwidth for your internet, right? Just a guess, <laughs> because I, I mean, it, most older games you can run in some kind of emulation process in Linux. I mean, my point being is that 99% of the population doesn't even need what Windows has on offer anymore. Okay. Like they, they, they just don't, all this stuff is available elsewhere. And I don't even just mean online. I mean that Linux has gotten to the level of maturity to where whatever you want is available there. Uh, just about, and you know, even, and this is the part where I know people will bristle. I mean, even Chromebooks have gotten to a level of maturity. Well, well, fuck. I mean, Chromebooks can do flat pack now and you can install tons of Linux apps on there. They're basically Linux machines and they're super, super lightweight. Uh, and the OS updates are super, super lightweight on that. Now I'm not necessarily saying go and go and get a Chromebook, but let's be honest. And this isn't a new statement for sovereign tech. Chromebooks are frankly more than, I mean, they're not just good enough. They are perfect for most people that, you know, want to engage the internet, um, you know, or use a computer. They've, they've, especially now they've got, they've got more than enough stuff there. Now, if you're a creative, that's, that's different. Okay. But even then there's a lot that you can rock with that. So, but you, what you do want to do is, is get a Linux machine. Um, also, you know, I mean, I kind of wonder if and actually, I think there's plenty of evidence and research to suggest this, that, uh, windows 10 especially is sending a lot of telemetry and information back to, even if it's anonymized, you know, even if you turned off the advertising ID and everything, sending a lot of that back to Microsoft, uh, just like Android, 
you know, even, even when your device is in airplane mode or whatever, it's just storing, you know, so much of what your history of what you've done while it's not connected to the internet, uh, or, you know, or a mobile network or whatever, and it'll just send it off, you know, as soon as it finally gets connected to the internet. Um, I'm sure that that windows 10 is, is doing something similar. Okay. So you basically, um, you want to, well, I mean, here's a real simple tip. Okay. With any software that you install as we go forward, and this is true for an operating system, as much as it is for any software or apps or whatever, if it says, you know, please help us with our customer experience by letting us send, even if it says anonymized, anonymized data back to, you know, Mozilla or whatever, uh, or, or canonical, tell them, just uncheck that box. Okay. So you, we're going to make this, we want this to be as lean and mean as possible. And that is step one, because this will begin right from the moment that you start installing a new operating system, because that's what I recommend. Okay. But let's make this point abundantly clear. Windows should no longer be in the home, you know, unless like me, I mean, well, I, I use windows as little as possible, but you know, like I, I do have, it does come with, it's part of my work, right? So as long as it's not part of your work, you know, windows does not belong in the home bottom line. I mean, that's, and just end of story on that. Uh, it sucks because I know a lot of people that actually, I mean, unless, you know, if you have like a, a very simple media PC and, you know, and you're using it for, um, I don't know, as a Cody box or to play or using like Cyberlink to play Blu-rays because Linux doesn't, doesn't really play Blu-rays. I know there's ways you can kind of trick it, but it, I mean, getting Blu-rays working on a computer are pain enough in the ass in the first place. And actually we're going to talk about Blu-rays a little more in a second, uh, within this conversation, but regardless, you know, windows, th this is, this is just take Leo Laporte, Leo Laporte's quote, uh, take this home windows does not belong in the home bottom line that, like that. That's it. So, and I'm, I'm going to be reiterating that on sovereign tech from now on, really. Uh, again, not that that's new. I've basically been saying that anyway. Uh, so with that said, um, let's talk about operating systems. Um, in the telegram group, people recommended more or less the two that I would recommend. Um, uh, I mean, there are lighter weight versions of Linux out there, uh, like Intel's version of Linux, uh, clear Linux is, is probably the fastest operating system on the planet right now. Uh, I mean, more general operating system, I should say, uh, more or less out there. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend using that. That's, that's not a matter of being lightweight on your internet connection. That's being lightweight on your machine and, and you just, that's not necessary. Um, so that's that much speed is not that necessary. So it really comes down to, uh, again, I'll second much of what the group said. It comes down to Linux, uh, Linux mint, right? Which we've talked about many times, which is also the most popular Linux distro in the world. And that's for a good reason. Um, and Ubuntu now. So which do you want to rock? Uh, again, make sure like we started with step one in this conversation, when it asks you, would you like us to send data to, you know, back to our servers, you know, crash data and all this? No, none, none. We're going to make this as lean and mean as possible. As little data is going to come in as is going to go out in what we're doing and what we're recommending here. So Linux mint, uh, it's up to version 19. Um, and I was originally going to recommend, uh, Crossface or XFCE, uh, 
the, that version of it. And actually a uh, listener in the group said, well, I ran into problems with XFCE. So you're probably going to want to rock with cinnamon and that worked great on, you know, varying hardware that he had tested out. Uh, and I have every reason to believe him on this. So uh, you're going to run with there's cinnamon, there's mate. I mean, I think any of them are going to do you well, but go ahead and rock cinnamon if you want. But Linux mint, especially the cinnamon, uh, you know, gooey. Okay. That looks and feels like windows. So there's not a lot of learning curve there. In fact, I think he was bringing up that like his 70 year old mother knows how to use it. It's it's that simple. And, and this is certainly the appeal. And there's a reason that Linux mint is the number one distro. And that's why now I did, I think in 2019, I put out a bit of a warning around Linux mint that being there, there's two things to, to consider with Linux mint, but these are really, really like fine point, you know, sovereign tech mentality things. One is, is that Linux Mint does, is not entirely open source. Okay. Now any Linux install you do, you can make it to where it's not entirely open source. Maybe you're going to have proprietary video drivers for an NVIDIA card or something like that. Okay. That's, I mean, if you're already using windows and you're comfortable with that and, and the main problem with windows is that, uh, well, you know, it's a data hog and so on. Um, you know, the, the closed source open source part isn't, isn't that important, but I'm just bringing it while we're trying to be as about as complete as we can in a Q and a, uh, I'm bringing that up. The other thing is that there have been battles, uh, and there are developments going on to mitigate this, but there have basically been battles in the development of Linux mint in the past year or so. Um, Linux mint 19, I think was might've, I think it was version 19 might even been a little delayed because of this. Uh, and I was worried about that because really the developers for Linux mint now it's based off of Ubuntu, of course, which is based off of Debian. And it's only a few people, very few people, like maybe like four, <laughs> like, like there's not that many people. And to rely, uh, this happens with a lot of Linux distros. I don't just mean to pick on mint for many people. They're a hobby, right? Like, like it, it's a hobby thing that they do, that they make their own distro and Linux mint originally was a hobby. It's just a hobby that like took off and was very, very popular. And I worry about, rocking, uh, a distro mission, critical distro like that, uh, with a team that has infighting, you know, where there's a certain lack of professionalism and where, you know, it, it, it's development is, does feel a little more hobbyist as popular. And as, you know, as many deals, I mean, like there's like Linux mint boxes that you can buy, you know, from, from varying hardware companies, you know, as great as all that is, at the end of the day, I still worry about that. And that's those two things are part of the, are, are, you know, either come up or are the reasons that I generally don't use Linux mint. That's just me. Okay. That's the golden stallion. That doesn't have to be you. Linux mint 19 with cinnamon, probably, a, you know, I, I think it's a great, great recommendation uh, for this. Okay. Now the other recommendation is the one that I will use and at present do use uh, which is Ubuntu, which I have recommended, you know, across the board for a long time. Um, Ubuntu now in April, they are coming out with the version 2004, which, and we talked about this recently on Sovereign Tech when the announcement came out, that's coming out in April. And if you can hold off till then, I would recommend doing a clean install of Ubuntu 2004. Um, partly because, and, and other people brought this up in the group as well. 
the it's a LTS version, which means long-term support. So you're going to get five years of support for this operating system. And you're going to get, I mean, the security updates, the, the code's going to be leaner. It's not going to be major revisions because Ubuntu updates every six months. Okay. Uh, kind of like how windows 10 has a major update every six months as well. Ubuntu runs on that cycle as well, but from a long, from an LTS version of Ubuntu, which they, they only come out, uh, such and so many years. Um, like every four years or so. Is that right? Something like that. Anyway, uh, those, you know, you don't, you can just keep running those and they keep getting security updates. Now the beauty, and this is part of why I've actually been really hard on telling people to just dump windows. I mean, I've been hard on sovereign tech on Twitter about it, telling people get just, just stop using windows. Now's the time to get away from it. Part of that reason is because Ubuntu 2004, which is coming out in April of 2020, is not just a LTS version. It's actually an extended LTS release, which means that it gets support for 10 years, not just five. So for 10 years, the next 10 years on that computer that you install this on, you are going to get these nice, clean coded, probably light on your data connection, uh, security updates going into, you know, going onto your computer. So you're secure, but it's also very lightweight and you can configure Ubuntu in such a way that, that it does end up running pretty lightweight, even though since they switched back to GNOME, I feel like, you know, it, it runs pretty clean anyway. Uh, but there's different versions of Ubuntu that you can run. You can run, you know, LXDE, uh, you know, XFCE, like I said, that, that are particularly lightweight, but I would just go with the stock Ubuntu. Um, and I think you'll do all right. I'm gonna, I mean, if your computer can run windows 10, it's going to be able to run stock Ubuntu. Like, I mean, there's just no question about that. And Ubuntu is great because usually everything just works right out of the box that you throw at it. Uh, Linux mint would be the same way. In fact, Linux mint is even more compatible with a lot of stuff because it allows for that closed source code right from the get go, even though you can choose that when installing Ubuntu as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, either of those, I think you're going to do all right. If you're not wanting like any kind of real learning curve, um, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if you've used Linux before or not. So, you know, it's, it's worthwhile to, to ask. I'm sure you have and probably messed with it and went back to windows. Um, but yeah, to, to have that windows experience, Linux mint is a great option, you know, and I, and I really don't have any qualms recommending it. You know, I mean, there's reasons I don't use it, but I, that's fine. Like go for it. Um, but Ubuntu 2004, if you can hold off for that, I think that's your best bet because especially because of that extended long-term support, uh, and have fun getting to, you know, relearn an OS if, if, if you have, if you're not super familiar with it, uh, I, I really think that's, it's really slick. Uh, so that's what I would do. Now, the next part to that, um, most of the software that you can install onto Linux or onto Ubuntu specifically is pretty lightweight in itself and does not require you to, I mean, because where you run into a lot of data going back and forth from your computer, that is probably hogging your, your data connection is like you log into them. And so there's like cloud syncing going on with a lot of this software. Most Linux software doesn't have that option. Or, and if it does, like you have to be really, really forceful about using it, you know, about, about wanting to connect to that. Uh, so that's not so much of a concern, but I think we got to talk about web browser. Okay. And I know you specifically asked that. Um, so Firefox is what will automatically come with Ubuntu as well as Linux mint. Uh, if I'm not mistaken on that one, uh, 
certainly with Ubuntu. Uh, Firefox is a resource hog. Um, you can you can go into it and you know really turn off a lot of telemetry and everything else and 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 have it run a lot leaner if you want because it is so configurable. But I'm going to give you a couple other options to go with uh, beyond that. Uh, Brave Browser, admittedly, uh, which is one that has come up a few times lately. And we've talked about since it was initially, uh, you know, developed and a gleam in the eye of, uh, of everybody behind it. Um, Brave Browser is certainly a very lightweight, very fast browser with a lot of advanced, uh, uh, you know, a lot of advanced features in it that I think could become more important in the future. Uh, you know, it plays, it's playing very nicely with cryptocurrencies already. Uh, it is something that you can also install on your phone. It's available basically on every platform you can imagine. Uh, so Brave Browser is something to think about. Um, that's one that is that is fairly popular, especially in, you know, the kind of communities that Sovereign Tech would run in. Um, I don't use it personally, or I don't use it uh, as my primary, I should say. But I recognize that it is a very lightweight browser and worth looking at. Um, another one would be, which we talked about just in the recent Sovereign Tech, Opera GX. Uh, I think this is available Maybe it's not. I, for some reason, I thought that it finally became available on Linux. If it's not, then disregard. But Opera GX is great because it can you can control not so much the data going in and out, even though Opera has an option for stock Opera has this as well. So you might want to consider that. But Opera GX has it too, where you can set it to uh, like low bandwidth. And so pictures say on a website won't come in at full resolution. And there's a lot of other tricks that it pulls uh, when you're, you know, in a, in a low bandwidth scenario, like we're describing here. Um, but also Opera GX lets you control Ram usage very easily, you know, with a nice little thing that comes out the, the left-hand side with a nice uh, UI that does that, uh, but Ram usage and CPU usage. So as far as solving the problem of limited bandwidth and let's say limited resources and lightening the load on your operating system and so on. Um, this is a, this is a really, really solid option to look at. Okay. Uh, so that's something to consider and may, maybe brave can do that. And I, and I just don't know it. I'll, I'll have to do a, a deep dive on brave again. Uh, but regardless opera GX or opera itself, something to consider that is available on Ubuntu. Um, again, I'm, you'd have to double check on opera GX about that though. Uh, but the two that maybe you wouldn't hear about normally are the, the two I want to recommend to you. One is it used to be called Cupzilla. Now it is, uh, now it's called Falcon and that's with a K that is a very nice web browser, but it's also one that is basically developed by one guy and doesn't have like a full development team around it. So as much as I like it, um, and it is a, I think it's still a WebKit browser based on WebKit, which I'm very supportive of. That's what uh, Safari uses on Apple. And I think that's wonderful. Um, but that that's one to think about. But the the more interesting one that I would, I'd recommend you look into, in fact, because they're like baking in. Now you got to, you got to consider this. Okay. We have to have a conversation about VPNs, but uh, the other one is Midori, M-I-D-O-R-I. And Midori is a web browser that's been around for a while. I think they've recently made some, some interesting partnerships and like they're trying to bake in a VPN and all this other stuff. Um, VPNs, this is something you have to, th when you are in a low bandwidth situation, VPNs, let's just say it are a no, no uh, VPNs will absolutely eat at your data. 
Okay. Because they're encrypting stuff. And, and I mean, it, it's, you're going to run into a problem when you're, when you're using a VPN because it changes the nature of, of data transmission to, to a degree where it is going to, I mean, you could say it's slight, it might be a 10% increase in data usage, but you know, if it's, if it's that bad, that 10% can mean a lot. Okay. So running a VPN, you know, might, might be anathema, but maybe it's important enough to you or there's limited times where you run it. That's something to keep in mind as far as this goes. Uh, but Midori is a very lightweight browser on actually, I think that's available everywhere. It's even on Android now, but I I've used Midori. Uh, there was a long period of time where Midori was, was my daily driver, uh, web browser. Um, so I have no problem really recommending that, uh, at this time. So Midori is something to look into. Maybe Firefox will be enough toy around. See, 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 see how that works for you. Uh, if you, if Firefox is good enough, then go with it. Uh, I will say no matter what you're doing, run an ad blocker An ad blocker is going to speed up your, you know, your connection to the internet. I mean, it's just a necessity. It's just a necessity. I mean, ads are so bad and just, I'd want to get into like, if you're using Firefox, like running no script, because JavaScript is also eating at your data, like, like there's no tomorrow or at your data connection. Um, but then once you turn off JavaScript on most sites, most sites don't work. But if you could run, you know, no script and uBlock origin, I mean, you're going to see a noted improvement probably in, in, you know, in your online activity activities, you know, going to a website and so on and it loading up. Um, but there, there's a trade-off there, you know, and you'd have to train no script and you'd have to train it pretty hard. So those are, those are options, you know, really to consider, uh, as far as web browsers go, um, Operating systems, you got a couple options. Web browsers, you got a few options here, uh, really to, uh, to 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 consider. So, but let let's let's get into some other points on this. And I guess this is going in a direction that you could call perhaps more physical and practical. Um, I I mean I am a big believer in not not necessarily even though my internet connection is pretty pretty weak here as well uh, in uh, in New Hampshire here, but. I just have an overall desire to do as much as I can, uh, offline and actually not on a computer. Okay. And, you know, I consume, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. I consume a lot of entertainment. Okay. Uh, and I have in recent uh, years really gotten back into Blu-rays, um, yeah, and, and, and so on. Uh, and I, and I, I will generally, you know, I download my entertainment when I can to where, and I mean, if you have limited connection, of course, you know, that could take forever, but I download it and keep it, you know, local, local data as much as I can. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a really big stickler on this. And if I were in a place where, you know, my data connection was that bad, um, I would, or not that I'm not saying yours is like bad, but if it was really limited and low, whatever. Okay. I really would like, I, I'd probably go back to burning CDs, you know, for music. I mean, I, or, you know, I mean, it's easy enough to keep music on a, on a hard drive. Sure. And all this, but I, yeah, this is just a direction of which to take things. And, and that is, is that get your entertainment basically off of the network 
in whatever shape or form that that takes. Uh, you know, having a a Blu-ray. I mean, I I have a Blu-ray player right in front of me. I'm looking at it. Uh, does not connect to Wi-Fi at all by design. I don't want it to connect to fucking Wi-Fi. Uh, I think it has an Ethernet port port on the back. You know, if I need to do firmware updates, or there's a USB drive or a USB port where I can do firmware updates on it if necessary. If necessary, has not been necessary yet. And uh, I get sometimes I get very new Blu-rays. You know, that was I did a whole tirade. I think you can even find it on my YouTube channel. I did a whole tirade about the bullshit piracy, anti-piracy tactics being done by companies behind Blu-rays, where basically you could do everything on the up and up, but because of this stupid anti-piracy stuff that they put into Blu-rays, um, you, you, you can't watch the movie, you know? I mean, it's, it's absurd, but with this Blu-ray player, that hasn't been an issue at all. Um, Regardless. Okay. But I mean, that that's another direction to really look at. Uh, I mean, with eBooks, when you consider that most eBooks are very lightweight and even on a, you know, <laughs> dare I say, even on a 28, eight, uh, you know, inner, uh, modem connection, right? Like, like that you'd be able to download eBooks in, in fairly short order, uh, depending upon the book, grant you, I, 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 I grant you that actually, you know, I should not necessarily make that claim. Cause I remember downloading like singular MP3 files that were like three meg on a 28, eight connection. And that took for fucking ever <laughs> to a half hour best or, Oh man. Anyway. So I shouldn't say that, but point being is that eBooks, I don't think that's so much of a concern, but there's a lot of things. I mean, I just think this is a good idea for all of us to really separate what we can, at least from the internet, at least from the network. Okay. And if you, if you're going to store it local, great. All right. Um, but that, that, that's just, you know, that, that's an opinion of mine that, that, that you can run with as far as the network overall. I mean, and I know some people in the group recommended this too. uh, setting up a pie hole, which that's P I H O L E. Uh, you can look that up, um, setting up a pie hole that blocks a lot of the nasty traffic that really ad blockers and, and no script would be doing for you, uh, client side. I think it's a great idea. Definitely look into that. If I remember, I'll put in a link for where you can check that out. Um, that is a great thing to have set up on your, on your home network. Uh, I'm a huge fan, huge supporter of that. Uh, so that's something to set up as well, because that's, that basically cuts off so much of the traffic that you don't have a whole lot of control over normally, uh, stock, you know, that, that, that your home network is encountering in and out. So pie hole is a great option as well. Um, and that, that also solves the problem around the ad blocker and so on. I, I, yeah. Again, I, I just think that, 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 that's a top notch thing to do. So that's something else to look into as well. Um, outside of that, you know, some of the abstracts and, and some of the more specific things, I mean, that that's, that's basically what I've got. Uh, I, I mean, I'll tell you, like I, I'm almost to the point where I just want to even like shoe Wi-Fi. <laughs> and just, I mean, I, 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 hell, I even have an Ethernet adapter for my, my Nintendo switch. I mean, anyway, that that's a bigger conversation that I want to get into, uh, at another time. So we're coming up on the hour, but I think, yeah, I, I really want to get in another question. Cause I got so many great questions here, uh, including one, we won't get into it here, but I want to get into it next week about the ethics of keeping pets. 
big, big conversation to have around that. Um, especially considering what we've been discussing lately on Sovereign Tech, which I'm glad so many have enjoyed about potentially, you know, the, the internet being a living thing, mycelia being a living thing. And, or, I mean, of course, mycelia is a living thing, but you know, them being more sapient, shall we say organisms, uh, certainly interesting conversations to start and have, and I'm glad others have enjoyed it, but now, you know what, this is one, man, I got to do the respect to this one. It's a question about stoicism, um, in my concerns, uh, around it. And I really, really want to do the, uh, take the time on that. And so instead of going another hour, uh, why don't we go ahead? Let's, let's wrap this one up here. Um, but of course we got to end off with an album of the week and you know, speaking of great albums of the week, I don't know how, okay. I've known about this band. And I've always thought that, yeah, you know, they're pretty good. Right. Uh, and I'm more familiar with their older stuff than anything that they've done. Cause this is a band that's like, it, it, it's sort of always been together. You have your main top two guys, you have Robbie Atkinson or whatever, uh, or Atkins in anyway, it's, you know, a band that, that I always appreciated. In fact, he, Robbie did work with, um, uh, Nordic union. He was one of the two guys of that, that frontiers put together to make Nordic union. And I think both of those albums were absolute dynamite. So I don't, I, I cannot explain to you why this band didn't click with me previously. But, you know, if I had heard the, the album of the week that I have for this week, if I had heard this in 2016 and, and I guess I just didn't pay attention. If I had listened to it then, I mean, it easily would have taken album of the year. Uh, I think in 2016, I might've given album of the year to like 6 AM. This blows away anything that Nikki six has ever done in his life. And I love Nikki. The band is pretty maids as in pretty and M I D S. And they use that phrasing like, you know, it's, it's guys, it's all guys. Uh, but they use that, that, I mean, they're kind of clever with the name where like when they do a live album, it'll be made in Japan, but instead of M A D E, it'll be M I M A I D, right? Uh, it's a clever name that they use in clever ways. Now, I mean, I can get into whether or not I think it's a great band name or not, but that doesn't really matter. The bottom line is after I heard this album and then I started listening, cause actually I got this album in a complete 12 disc box set that I ended up, uh, <clears throat> getting from the public library. And it's actually not, it's not even like available really anymore. Like you, you can't even really get your hands on it. So I don't, I don't feel bad about it anyway, but I sure as hell wouldn't feel bad, feel bad about it then. This, okay, so it, it's covering not the early years of Pretty Maids, but the, the whole 12 disc set is called Blast from the Past. And it pretty much runs, I want to say, from like 97 up, uh, up until 2016. Um, and of course, they had an album, Pretty Maids had an album that came out last year, which I, you know, I listened to it and I was like, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's pretty good. Um, I'm listening to it with some fresh ears now, now that I have this new appreciation for their sound, but going through this retrospective box set. Okay. we're going to, I'm going to pick out one album out of the 12. I, I mean, it's kind of a cheat to give you a 12 disc box set as an album of the week, but going through this, this box set, I, I mean, like the thought crossed my mind and you, you, you cannot imagine so like the first time I ever really said to myself, what's my favorite band? And I mean, if we're talking like, what's my favorite musician ever, you know, I mean, that gets into like, you know, Michael Jackson, Neil Diamond territory, right? So that's a completely different question. But as far as like my favorite band, you know, that fits within my favorite genre, uh, 
again, unless you count soundtracks as a genre, <laughs> then that would be my favorite genre, but otherwise metal. Um, you know, my first favorite band was Motley Crue like that. That's they were, they were my first passion. Okay. Uh, that quickly turned into kiss, uh, later on. Um, and I have been, kiss has been my number one band for decades now. Uh, and I'm more, and I'm one of those weirdos kind of like Chris Jericho, where I am more of a fan of the non-makeup era kiss than I am of the makeup era kiss. But that's how hardcore of a fan I am is I, you know, I'm even more passionate about what is often seen as not their best years, which I just totally fucking disagree with. But when I listen to, to pretty mates and I listen to this 12 CD set, I, I, there, there, the thought crossed my mind. Holy shit. I think this is the greatest band that's ever lived. I mean that I'm not kidding. And somehow now, I mean, there's bands that, that, that do this where even, you know, 20, 30 years later, they're still coming out with their best work, right? Like Dragon Force is still coming out with their best work. Um, Judas Priest is still arguably coming out with some of their best work. Same with Iron Maiden. I mean, you, you know, you can, you can pick a lot of bands where this is a thing, but to somehow, somehow Pretty Maids is like that much better than from the old days. Okay. Like when you go back, Oh, I don't know. Cause they've been around since 1981. First album came out in 84. Was, it, uh, 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 fuck. What was that? Red hot and heavy, right? You listen to red hot and heavy. I mean, it's good. The vocals sound a bit different, you know, and you listen to future world, actually future world is an awesome album. You listen to sin decade and so on. I mean, they're, they're good. They're very good actually. But then, you know, how a band gets exponentially better. It's one thing to top like your best albums that you've done, you know, 20 years ago, but to get literally exponentially better is a mind blowing concept to me. This is also, this also happened with tigers of Pantang, which I think I talked about them and their latest album where it's like, Whoa, where did that sound come from? Cause it sounds fucking great. Um, I mean, it, again, this does happen. Uh, Rick Springfield, I think Rick Springfield's best album, the shock, denial, anger, and acceptance. That's a good 20, 30 years into his career. And it is a dramatically different sounding album than anything he had done before, even though his previous stuff was top notch. So this band, uh, pretty maids, they have the, it's pretty much the last disc, um, on the 12 disc set. Uh, well, it's almost the last disc. Maybe there's like a live album or something. That's actually the last disc on it. The, 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 there's 12 discs. The order of the discs is not exactly chronological. It's more of like a presentation, but anyway, they have an album on there called Kingmaker that came out in 2016. Like I said, this easily would have taken. In fact, if this came out this year, it would unseat heat with heat Two. I don't know if it would have taken beast in black, but boy, is this a fucking great album? Uh, opens right up with a, with a song called when God took a day off badass little, I mean, and, and, and it's hard if you want me to describe their sound. Now there's a point where they have more of a classic rock sound in their earlier work, but as, as they've grown and certainly within the aughts, like the late nineties into the aughts, the best way I can think to describe them. I was, I was talking to, uh, to, to Ellen about this. I said, the best way I can think to describe them is that if fear factory, and if you know who fear factory is, you, you know, I mean, man, that drummer's like a robot. If fear factory made a melodic hard rock album that you would have pretty maids that should is if you like both of those things or either of those things, that concept should excite the fuck out of you. But th I, that's the only way I can describe their sound. It's so, it's so crisp and clean, 
but then like it, it's got this really hard edge to it. But then the guy, the guy sings like a canary. I mean, it, and, and it, it's just, it's Robbie just has this tremendous voice. Um, but this album Kingmaker. So yeah, opens up with a great track with when God took a day off, very, very high energy. Then it gets into the song, the title track Kingmaker. You'll be singing the chorus for this for the next few days. I guarantee you. I mean, it was, this was having me destroy it at the gym. It, it was so insane. Uh, face the world. Another great track. Humanize me. Another great track. There's a couple slower tracks in here, a couple little like ballad type things, but they're, they're actually, they're not sad. They're more kind of uplifting. It's pretty amazing. Uh, this is the version I have goes 13 tracks and the last two are just extended versions of previous songs, but this is an absolute track for track album. Absolute. Like every song on here could easily be a hit. And you, you know, you're going through it and you're like, Oh, maybe this is slowing down a little bit when you get to uh, bullseye or, or, you know, uh, last beauty on earth, but then it gets to track nine and there's a song called civilized monsters. Okay. And you've got to understand me. I was listening to this. It was, uh, it was like, it was after 10 o'clock after 10 PM. Okay. And I'm just, you know, kind of laying back a little bit, trying to relax whenever I can get that in trying to relax. And I just like yelled out, fuck yes. <laughs> like I just said, <laughs> and Ellen turns around and she's like, you know, what, what is <laughs> my f- 40 seconds into this track? My face just melted right off. I mean, it was just, it was gone. And it, that's all I'm going to tell you. You fucking listen to it. You get, and, and you wait because it sounds real slow, right? Then, but you get 40 seconds in and then bam, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And I bet you're going to be in the telegram group telling me, holy shit, maybe sharing some, uh, some super Saiyan action. Man. And, and, but this band's amazing. And like, I listen back to, you know, I mean, it's going to take a while to go through all these albums, you know, uh, and I have their whole discography on Plex and, and I, but my mind's just blown. I'm like, how, how did such a great band? Like, I mean, it was on my radar, but, but you know, why did it show up as a stealth bomber? It should be showing up as, you know, B 52 getting ready to kick my ass. I, I my mind's blown. Like th- this band is so fucking good. And I already kind of knew that. Like I said, I thought both Nordic union albums were amazing, you know, and, and you're getting that, that, that's that same great vocal, uh, you know, for most of these albums. I mean, you're just, you're in for a treat. If, if you like melodic hard rock, uh, I mean, and especially with a good edge to it and, and just like this very, very clean sound, it's, it's, I don't want to call it clean as in like, it's the backstreet boys or something. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crisp. Like, like there, everything just sound like the production just sounds perfect almost to like a Def Leppard level of perfection. Right. You know, it's like Mutt Lang was working with them or something. Amazing. And, and, and Kingmaker so far now they have a couple albums before that, that are just, that are like from like 2013 and 2014 or like 2012, 2014. There's an album called pandemonium, which I guess is considered their best album or like it's their biggest album, which that's amazing in itself that your biggest album ever comes out. You know, again, they started in 83 in 2013, you know, like 30 years later <laughs> or, or 20 years later. Uh, no, no, that'd be 30 years later, 30 years later. And you make your best album. What the fuck? You know, um, that was good. Uh, but, and then there's, there's another album after that, which is called motherland. Those are both really solid outings, really, really great albums. But I, I think Kingmaker takes the cake. 
their their 2019 album, not as good as Kingmaker, uh, but this is a track for track little album that you got to check out. But there's there's dynamite in all of their albums. I mean, there, there's just there's it, at the very least you get two or three great songs so far that I've listened to on every album. If not, the whole album is just just you know awesome. So Pretty Maids, you got to check this action out. I wanted to take the time to talk about it because I I feel like I had a fucking epiphany. I mean, I had a revelation here, you know, I'm about ready to breathe in the cave gases, you know, and be like, uh, you know, the apostle John here, start writing shit down. And I saw fire in his eyes. Woo. You know, like Jesus or something. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's remarkable. So pretty made, you got to check these guys out. Uh, again, start off with that album Kingmaker. And then I think with King Kingmaker, it's such a level of perfection. You appreciate everything else that exists before and after uh, in, in a, you know, kind of in a, in, in a, in a new light, even if you've never heard of them before, but if you have, if you do know about pretty mates, I want you to talk to me and I want you to fucking tell me, here's what I want you to tell me. Why the hell didn't you tell me about them before? And I've read reviews where people say these, this is literally the greatest rock band in the world. Uh, and I, I'm, I wouldn't argue with any of these people, you know, after, after listening to it, I'm like, Oh, I, well, I see why they're saying that, but do we know who they are? No. Bunch of Danish boys, bunch of great Danes. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, All right. So that's it for this Q and a, again, we got a ton of, I asked questions. Uh, I, I mentioned that I was going to be recording today in the telegram group. And so I got a ton of great questions or a few, keep them coming. Uh, I am looking forward to breaking down some of these. I'm going to get into in a, in a prime sovereign tech, uh, but I'll gladly get into others uh, next week in the Q and a. So, or, you know, as, as quickly as I can. And uh, I mean, these are awesome, awesome questions. So I can't wait to t- you know, talk about them and really do justice for them. So that's it for this week's Q&A. I will see all of you woo, on the other side.